Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Otty is a professional musician, voiceover artist, and band director. Also a mentor, he has a passion for people and seeing them thrive and become who God created them to be in their areas of interest. Having faced and overcome various challenges himself, he lives by a simple mantra that God is faithful always. He is married to Ibiene and they are blessed with two lovely children, Eliasha and Zuriel. Please join me in welcoming Otty Warman to the Pursuit of God Conference 2021. Evening church and welcome to day 14 of the Pursuit of God fast. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence with all reverence, with all humility, as we seek to worship and to praise your holy name. We invite you, of course, to be here with us as we do. Over myself, Lord, I pray that you will grant a spirit of articulation, that I might be able to deliver the message which you have given me to the saints. Lord God, that it might impact, that it might have positive effect. Importantly, that it will bless and that it will challenge. And as we worship you, Lord, remain here with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello again, church, and welcome. I hope we are all well and thriving during this time of fasting. I don't know about you, but for me, I'm a gym person. And as a result, whenever we go through these extended periods of fasting, I often find myself a little bit sad as I watch the weight just fall off me. But I always console myself with the fact that whatever I might be losing in physical weight, I try and believe that I am gaining more than double in spiritual weight. Now, since the back end of last year, we've had at least three seasons of extended corporate prayer where we have really sought after God, where we have fasted. And now, of course, we are in another season of prayer and fasting. Now, I've always chosen to believe that we serve a God who sees, a God who hears, a God who responds. And as such, if that is the case, then this alone is evidence that something is happening, that something is going to happen. Our eye has been on the new for quite some time now, and I know that we shall not be disappointed. It shall be as the Bible said, where it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, I believe that I have a message to share with you today. And as I've prayed, I'm assuming or expecting that there will be a grace on me to deliver it to you and that you might receive it. I'm going to use predominantly various parts of the life of David as I do, and I want to speak, therefore, on the journey of destiny. The journey of destiny. But as we start, let's begin by reading our focus text, which, of course, we know is from Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 13, in the Passion Translation. It reads, Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers there is a change in the air. 
Arise, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place, for now is the time to arise and come away with me. As I meditated on this, it was the first line that really caught my attention. It says, can you not? Can you not? Can you not? It was like a challenge, you know, and me being a former athlete and a persistently competitive person, of course, I responded, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Then I began asking myself, what is destiny? Now, if we were physically in church, this would be the time where I would probably look to you and ask you, raise your hand. Tell me if you can give me an explanation of what you think destiny is. Because it's one of those terms which we use so commonly, sometimes almost so flippantly, that we think we know it, but if you are actually asked to describe it, I think we might struggle. So, what did I do? Well, before that, I mean, I saw destiny as Lionel Messi with a football at his feet, Serena Williams with a tennis racket in her hand, Whitney Houston on stage at the Grammys singing. You know, oftentimes we think destiny is a person operating to the fullness of their capacity in the area which we can see they are so clearly gifted. And I don't think that's entirely wrong. But just in case, I said, let me do what any self-respecting, technologically advanced person such as myself would do. I googled it. You know, in, in my house, actually, whenever I'm confused by anything, um, I would ask my wife, and she'll always just turn to me and say, Google is your friend. So let's go to the Gospel of Google, which says that destiny is the particular state of a person or thing in the future resulting from earlier events. Perhaps more concisely, another explanation it says is that it's events that will happen to a person or thing. I repeat it. The first one said the particular state of a person or thing in the future resulting from earlier events. And then the more concise version that they are events that will happen to a person or thing. And for me, this helped confirm my belief that destiny is not a singular event, but rather a continuous and lifelong collection of events. So it's not so much a temp, it is more rather a temporary location, more so than it is a permanent destination. It's a journey that doesn't stop, but has many checkpoints. And this is a good thing. At least I think so. Because you see, God has set it up in such a way that we can fail. It means that we can have a destiny moment or a potential destiny moment. We might, be ha- we might mess up in it, but then he can reroute us. He can put us back on course. So this is a good thing. For this is a new day of destiny that we must discern. We can't let it pass us by because if, it were one, if destiny were a one-off thing, then my fear is that we could miss it. My fear is that we wouldn't always grasp it, that it might pass us by. But as I say, the way God has set it up in his infinite wisdom is that we can make mistakes. So we're not going to remember the former things. We're going to embrace the new. We're going to press on towards the goal. But what has this all got to do with David? See, David can be looked at for a lot of things because, in my opinion, he lived such a full life. He had extreme highs and, of course, terrible lows. At times in his life, he had access to little. At other times, he had royal wealth. There were times of peace, but there, were also, there was also great fear and unrest. 
And of course, he's a man known for dancing. He's a man known for praising. But equally, he's known for murder and adultery. In fact, so polar are his life experiences that it must be studied. I wanted to take a look at the legacy of his destiny days. So let's take a look at some of these and see how it shaped what I believe, as I say, was an extraordinary life. And in doing so, I'm hoping we can take some lessons on how to approach, on how to navigate, on how to discern our new day of destiny. But the first thing to note is that our actions are seeds, and seeds grow destiny. I'll say that again. Actions are seeds, and seeds grow destiny. Examples of seed can be prayer, which obviously we are doing, hopefully, in this season. Seed can be trials, yes. How we face difficult times, how we respond in those circumstances, the decisions that we make, those are seed. Friendships. I think we've all heard the phrase which says, no man is an island. We're gonna, the people who we hitch our lives to will clearly have an effect on what our destiny will be. So our friendships are seed. Courage. Unbelief. The list goes on and on and can be positive or clearly negative. So let's start in 1 Samuel chapter 16, where we're introduced to David. Verse 1 starts with the Lord saying to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? As I read that, I thought it had a similar tone to that first line in our focus verse, which said, Can you not discern? Can you not discern? How long will you mourn? These are key moments in life when they seemingly had, these are, questions that we are asked that have seemingly very simple answers, but we must answer correctly. They're so simple, it seems, that they're almost rhetorical. But again, we get, get it wrong, and it can clearly put us on the wrong path. So, Samuel, he had gone to the house of Jesse. He was to anoint a new king. And this is the first example of destiny. And remember, destiny is an event that happens to a person that we see working in David's life. And most notable is that on the surface of it, David has nothing to do with this. Now, I don't know if you've seen this West End musical called Hamilton. It's very popular in my household. I, I love it. It's great. If you've not seen it, I advise you definitely to go and see it. But there's a song in it which goes, it talks about the room where it happens. That's what it calls. It goes, I want to be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens, the room where it happens. And it's a great song, it's, it's, and it's sung by a character called Aaron Burr, who's effectively saying that he wants to be in the place where decisions are being made, where the power brokers are making moves, where he can have impact and make decisions. David wasn't in this room. Instead, Jesse had lined up his sons in this particular room. But on account of the seed that David had sown behind closed doors, he was summoned to the room. That seed was diligence. That seed was consistency as he tended to his father's flock. That seed was a good heart, which we see directly referenced in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. And of course, that seed was excellence. So much so that we see later on that Saul, when troubled, was asking, who, where, where can I find a skilled musician? David was the one who was summoned because he was skilled in playing the lyre. You saw, the seed that David had sown had raised up a destiny helper in Samuel who was discerning enough to trust God's voice and not 
uh, his, his own judgment with his eyes. Because obviously he would have seen that, oh, this one is fair, this one is tall, this one is handsome, this one is strong. But he was able to discern using the Spirit of God. Now the question is, what seed have we sown to have God put our destiny helpers on notice? I'll ask it again. What seed have we sown to ensure that God has put our destiny helpers on notice? See, the beautiful thing is that we are in a wonderful season now where we are obviously praying, we are fasting, we are meditating on the Word. We are doing the very things that should be encouraging the spirit realm to make sure that it is going to be working on our behalf in the physical. I am going to believe that right now, heaven is moving on our behalf so that our destiny helpers are being sent. Our Samuels are being put in line. They are on notice. You see, destiny always requires discernment, whether by you directly or by others. But let's move on. First Samuel chapter 17. It's here that we hear of a Philistine champion tormenting Saul's Israel. Now, in this battle, David wasn't even around there to fight. David was there only to hand out grain and bread and cheese to the soldiers. But let's jump to verse 23, which says, As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. And David heard it. You see, we must have spiritual eyes and ears so we can discern destiny moments like David did. You see, there were other warriors who were there who were far more capable, perhaps, certainly more qualified than David to fight this battle. And like David, they heard the defiance of Goliath. But David was able to discern it as an opportunity. The other soldiers, in their discernment, defined it as suicide. Even though there was a reward on offer, an incentive, they still thought, no, no part of that. Why was David able to do that? Yes, he had the Spirit of God with him, but he also had courage. But more importantly, that courage had a reference point. As I said earlier, actions are seed, and seed grows destiny. David's seed was the boldness that he sowed in the fields when he guarded his father's flock, fighting lions and bears. And this was the harvest of it. Paraphrase, let's look from verse 34, where David says, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. Verse 36, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And verse 37, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. That was his resume. That's his resume right there. That's what gave him the courage and boldness, as well as, of course, the fact that he understood the God in him. And as such, we know how the story ended. He took another step towards destiny. Now let's jump to 2 Samuel chapter 6. We read the story of David going to the house of Obed-Edom. He went there to recover the ark. He realized that favor followed wherever it went. And of course, he was therefore wise enough to discern that the risk of acquiring it was worth it. And there was a risk, because as we know, in trying to transport it the first time, people had died trying to touch it, or simply because they came into contact with it. But he realized it was worth it. And we see evidence of this because of the sacrifices, both in burnt offerings and praise that was given on its journey back. Now, 
with all we know in hindsight, you would have thought that it would be quite obvious that we'd all see the benefit of having the ark in our home. But perhaps it wasn't obvious to all. Verse 16 says, As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, who was also his wife, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Verse 20 continues, When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls, of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would do. I imagine David, he might have hoped that his wife would have discerned as he did, that bringing the ark home was good news, that he was trying to bless his household. It says clearly in verse 20, when David returned home to bless his household, could you imagine you're trying to do something that is going to be a blessing, but you are therefore, instead you are being despised for it because someone cannot discern as you discern. And this reminded me that on the journey to destiny, sometimes it can be lonely. Even trusted voices, at times we have to shut them out when we know the Lord has spoken. But, Things really get interesting in chapter 11, verse 2. As I said, David lived an extraordinary life. Here it says, One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Now remember, earlier I said that destiny can be a trial. It can be a trial. And interestingly, David passed previous tests with excellence. You might remember there was a season in which Saul, the former king, was chasing him and desperately wanted to kill David. David, on two occasions, had the opportunity to kill Saul. He was right there in his bedroom while Saul was asleep. But each time he passed the test and said, I cannot slay the anointed of the Lord. And for that very reason he still walked into his destiny to become king. That was, a, that was a situation which if he had failed, you never know. He could have circumvented the whole process, but he passed that test. Unfortunately, with this particular test, he failed woefully. So how was this linked to his destiny? Well, I wish I could tell you that all was well and it had a happy ending, but the seed that was sown bore a very sad harvest. The son that was born died. Rape and incest became part of the family history. And why? Because actions are seeds, and seeds grow destiny. Destiny can be positive and great, but it can also be challenging and present problems or times of testing. We are entering the new, but we must discern it. Why? Because a new day is coming. Whether we like it or not, new is coming. But our ability to discern is going to determine what kind of new it is. Put more poetically, destiny is greatest for those who can exercise foresight more than hindsight. Destiny is greatest for those who can exercise foresight more than hindsight. So how do we discern destiny? Well, we get some answers from the text. Essentially, it tells us that we use our senses. And the text I'm referring to is our focus text back in Songs of Solomon. 
Verse 13, it says, budding vines are blooming everywhere so we can see. Also in verse 13, it says, there is a fragrance so we can smell. Verse 12 mentions hearing a cooing of doves to awaken and guide. We can hear. Verse 11 says the season changed and winter ended. We can feel. But all of these senses are heightened by our connection to God through prayer, fasting, and meditation. All of these senses are heightened by our connection to God through prayer, fasting, and meditation. You see, destiny always has signs, but we only recognize them, or only too, too often we only recognize them in hindsight. That can no longer be the case. We must stay in the secret place so that early recognition, recognition can allow for better preparation. You see, in some cases, this is the difference between thriving in our destiny or struggling, or having a piece of the cake, but not having the whole pie. This is clearly shown, actually, um, in the book of 2 Kings. Here we see Jehoash, the king of Israel. He's preparing for battle, and he goes to see the prophet Elisha. Here's the, a little excerpt from their exchange um, in verses 15 to 19. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said. And he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said. And he shot. Gotta love the obedience. I love it. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared. You will completely destroy the Aramaeans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you were defeated only three times. If this were me, I would feel like I won and lost at the same time. You see, your ability to discern and respond in destiny moments will directly correlate to your level of victory or success or even failure. We have to discern the times because discerning the times will ensure that ultimate destiny, which is what we are all striving for, can be achieved. Ultimate destiny is for us to be able to say it is finished. The truth is that Jehoash could be quite happy to an extent. As Elisha said or declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans. So there was a level of victory that he's already achieved. But it doesn't end there. It could have been so much more. And that's the thing with destiny. There are always checkpoints, as I said earlier. We never want to let a praiseworthy milestone fool us into thinking that we've arrived. We've only arrived when we get to heaven. So until then, we still have destiny to be fulfilled. And I look at certain figures in the Bible, and I imagine if they didn't understand this. Could you imagine if Joseph decided that he had arrived at his destiny when, when he was entrusted with Potiphar's estate? If he had done, he never would have been entrusted with all of Egypt. If David decided his destiny was only to defeat Goliath, he would not have become king. If Moses thought that the life he had carved out in Midian was it, and he probably could have. I mean, from what we read in the Bible, I think it was a pretty comfortable life. He'd moved into a, a family who welcomed him. 
they'd given him a wife, he had a child, he could have been comfortable and said, you know what, this, this is where I'm going to pitch my tent, I'm good here. But if he had done that, he wouldn't have been able to discern the burning bush and free his people. And can you imagine the Bible if it didn't have the story of the plagues? If it didn't have the story of the parting of the Red Sea? Imagine if I thought my destiny was to speak on the pulpit of Jesus' house, which is not a small thing. But if I stay here, then how am I going to speak or sing in front of audiences of kings and queens and other dignitaries? The journey always continues. You see, destiny is not for your comfort, but for his glory. Destiny is not for your comfort, but for his glory. So feel free to celebrate the new house, the new job, the new child. Feel free to celebrate the test. Feel free to celebrate hope deferred or celebrate a bereavement. They should all be precursors to the same thing, which is your continued journey to ultimate destiny. A final point before we pray. If you want further evidence of difficulty also being destiny, then we need not look any further than verse 12. Again, going back to our focus scripture in Songs of Solomon. Verse 12, it says, The season for singing and pruning vines has arrived. I found this so intriguing. Because singing, we associate with something good, celebratory, victorious, positive. Pruning, we associate with something that is tough, painful, something where refining is happening, something which is a transitionary period. But you see, the two are not exclusive of one another, which is why I think they've been put in the same sentence. Instead, we embrace them both with the expectation that we are headed toward ultimate destiny, toward being able to say, it is finished. And the interesting thing is that this is what the enemy fears, and he will do all he can to thwart and he fears it so because, and our challenge as a result is because oftentimes I think the enemy has more foresight than we do. He sees what is in us, what could potentially become of us, how we can impact the kingdom of darkness. And he fears that. Could you imagine if all of us were operating in a, in, in a, in a season where we are discerning everything for our good, where we all are flowing in destiny, at every checkpoint, the kingdom of darkness will be finished. And so, of course, he has to put forth his best efforts to ensure that this does not happen and that we fail at certain tests. In fact, do you know, as I, as I say that, I'm, I think I have time. I'm, I'm going to share a story. Um, it's actually a, um, my birth story to an extent. Um, and I'm reminded of it because my mother always brings it up when she's talking about how the enemy could see what you were going to become. He could see the glory that was in you. And interestingly, when I told her that I was going to be speaking during this uh, Pursuit of God month, she actually got quite emotional because it reminded her of my birth. What happened is when I was being born and she was pushing out, the umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck. Now, thankfully for me, I had a Samuel in the room. One of the midwives was the only one who was attuned to the fact that actually with every push, this umbilical cord is getting tighter and tighter around my neck. 
thankfully, and because she was able to discern it, she was able to ensure that the rest of the birth and the whole pushing process went safely. And I arrived here. Of course, here is the evidence today. But interestingly, when I came out, I didn't cry at first. And I imagine it's probably because there was no breath <laughs> somehow. But from that day, my mom always said, there's something on this child. That's why the enemy, even from birth, wanted to take that away. And it also reminds me of another story, which I won't go into full detail with, but even the ability to speak to you here from this pulpit today is God just taking me through different checkpoints of destiny. Because growing up as a kid, I was extremely shy. I think I spoke once as a young kid and some kids made fun of me, so I did not want to be seen anywhere on a stage again. And... Um, the school I went to, if you were captain of a sports team, you would then also have to, you'd play the game at the weekend, and then on the Monday at the whole school assembly, you would read the match report to the whole school. And I was very gifted in sports, so I would always be asked, Arthur, can you be captain of the team? And I'd always say no. But after a period of time, finally someone asked, one of the teachers asked, why do I always say no to being captain? And I said, because I don't want to read the match report on Monday. And so he said, okay, you know what, let's make an arrangement. You'll be the captain of the team for the game, and the vice captain will read the match report. Great deal. So we played the game. I even helped write the match report, gave it to the vice captain. On the next Monday at the school assembly, the headmaster says, could the captain of the first team please come and read the match report? And the vice captain got up. And everyone looked and wasn't, I was like, isn't Otzi the captain of this team? I sat in my chair. Vice captain read the report, and at the end of it, I'm walking out of the assembly hall, and the deputy headmaster, a man named Mr. Corner, I will never forget him. He was another Samuel. He asked me why I didn't read the match report. So I gave him my explanation and he was so upset with me. He shouted at me. He's like, no, you're the captain. You are going to read the match report. And so from that week on, or the following week, I had to start reading the match report and I was so nervous. But little did I know that that was the start. That was a destiny moment for me because now Pretty much everything I do today requires being on a stage, speaking in front of people. I'm a musician, so I'm often on stage singing. I'm a teacher. I'm a coach, so on and so forth. And I'm comfortable with it now. But if I hadn't had that destiny helper back then, who knows what could have happened? Again, that would have been an opportunity that the enemy could have had the victory. But it wasn't to be so. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? Brothers and sisters, we are entering the new. Let us be discerning as we do. For the success of your destiny depends on it. Now, I mentioned earlier that our ability to discern is linked to our connection with God, our prayer life, and our ability to meditate. And so if you do not yet have this relationship with Christ and would like to know him, there is a simple prayer that I invite you to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I present myself before you because my heart desires to know you. I repent of past sins and choose to acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for accepting me into your family and bestowing on me the blessings of a kingdom citizen. Amen. Now, we're going to enter um, a time of prayer now, which I think is key. 
And again, we're going to draw our prayer points from the life of David, because I think there is so much of the spirit that was in him that could serve us well today. Mantles that were upon him that we would welcome to be upon us today. Now, I invite you, I think, wherever you are, if you can stand and you're comfortable standing, I think it would be good to stand as we pray these points. I will just speak through a variety of points, and as I do, feel free to pray as led, whether that is in the spirit, whether that is in the natural, whatever you feel comfortable with. But let us not take this moment for granted. Let us remember that prayer works. Let us remember that there is a power in prayer. And so as we do this, let us do it with all verve with all confidence that he hears and that he responds. Hallelujah. Firstly, let's pray that destiny moments will not overlook us or pass us by. As Samuel was a destiny helper to David, let's cry out to God that he will release our helpers to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who hears and who sees. We thank you, Lord God, that you are the one who controls all and sees all. And Lord, as you do, we pray that you would just continue to station our destiny helpers at every point, Lord God. That Father, even as we sleep, even as we may slumber, we may not know where they are, where they are whether they are at the, in the north, the east, the south, the west, whether they are in the same country or vicinity as us, or whether they are further afield. Father God, nothing is too difficult for you. We just pray simply that you will align us with our destiny helpers, Heavenly Father. You will align us with those that will ensure that our feet are always walking on the right path in Jesus name secondly let's pray for a spirit of repentance we all make mistakes David made a huge mistake but we are still we still know him as a man who was after God's heart we know him as a man who quickly repented when he made the mistake let us do similarly that he will have mercy on us that he will forgive us any sins so that we may enter his presence and that he may respond that the enemy will have no nothing nothing over us nothing to which he can say guilty for we have been cleared we have been washed white as snow heavenly Father, we thank you and give you all praise because you are a God who washes our sins away. You are a God who paid the price on the cross for us. And we say thank you for this. Lord, as a result, we are guilt-free. As a result, the enemy can no longer say anything to us, Lord God, that will deter us on our path. He cannot accuse us of anything, Lord God, because we have that spirit of repentance. We know we are imperfect, Lord. We know, Lord God, that we are vessels, Lord, at, uh, who at any moment can fall. But Lord, we know that in your mercy, Lord God, you continue to lift us up. Lord, in your mercy, you forgive us. And Lord, we say thank you for that. Thirdly, let us pray for an overtaker's man mantle. David was the last born and seemingly forgotten in his household. When the sons of Jesse were lined up, he was not even there to be seen. Instead, God ensured that he went to the front of the line. Let us pray for a similar mantle. Let us also pray that it will be something that he can accelerate our progress. That Heavenly Father, truly, even though we might seem that we are last now, may we be, may turn, turn our fortunes around that we might be first. Father God, ensure, Heavenly Father, that at all times, no favor will overlook us. Let us ensure sure that, Lord God, by your grace, we will always be in the right place at the right time. Lord, what may have taken years to achieve for others may it be weeks, may it be days by your grace. I pray that you will accelerate all that we are doing in this season. Father God, that you will put a spirit on our hands, a grace on our hands, a favor on our hands, that we're able to move forward at all times, Heavenly Father, that truly, truly, we are going to be overtakers in all that we do. I pray, Heavenly Father, that, will, that we will have no distraction. David could have been distracted by Saul's armor. 
easily, but he was able to discern and focus on what God had put in his hand. Good things are not always for us. We have to be able to discern when something might look good, but is a distraction. So let us pray that in this season, we shall not fall or succumb to any distractions, that truly we may focus on the road ahead. We may keep our eyes on you, Heavenly Father. We may be still and know that you are God, that in all things we are able not to look to the left or to the right, but simply on the path that you have set out for us. And Lord, in doing so, we shall have victory. In doing so, Lord God, we will give praise as we celebrate when you do it on our behalf. Let us pray next for a heart of praise and gratitude. Obviously, this is one of the key things that David was known for. We know that our Father, He receives our praise. He loves to inhabit our praises. Let us pray for that spirit, for that mantle of praise and gratitude to be on us. Let us be like the one who returned back to Jesus to say thank you. Let us do it with our actions. Let us do it with our voices. Let us do it with our hearts. Oh, let everything within us bless him for it shows humility. It shows reverence. It shows honor. And Heavenly Father, all of these things we give to you because you are deserving and because you are worthy, Heavenly Father. We come into your presence this evening, Lord God, and ask that you receive every praise. Lord God, that every song might be sweet in your ear, Heavenly Father. Lord God, that every word that we utter to our brothers and sisters might edify you, Lord. God. Next, let's pray for a spirit of courage. The Bible repeatedly says to be strong and courageous. Words so easily said, but not always easy to practice. But let us be practical in showing strength and in showing courage. Discerning the instructions of the Holy Spirit will often incite a degree of fear. That often lets us even know that we are on the right path, but it should not stop us. As David faced Goliath, let us face our stepping stones to destiny. That very thing which we fear could be our stepping stone to destiny. So, Heavenly Father, help us to face every mountain, every obstacle, every challenge, everything that might be a fear to us head on. And we face it not because of our own strength or belief in what we can do, but we face it, Heavenly Father, because you are the God who is in us. We face it because we know that with you we cannot fail. We do it because, Lord God, you have never lost a battle, and if you are on our side, then we shall not lose either. Heavenly Father, just show us where you want us to be. Show us which battles to fight. Let us present ourselves on the battlefields with hands raised, knowing that you go ahead of us, Lord God, to fight the battle. We must only show up. We pray that you will give us courage to show up. For the times where we might feel small, the times that we might be intimidated, I pray that you will infuse us with your spirit, Lord God. You will infuse us with a level of courage which will mean that we can always step forward into our destiny. Next, let's pray for friends and intercessors. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 1 to 6. It reads, Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David. May we have people in this world who walk with us who take a liking to us, Lord. He liked David and he warned him, My father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you. I will tell you what I find out. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. May we have people who will intercede for us, even when we are not there, behind closed doors, people who are going to speak positively on our behalf. 
The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise in advance because you have sent us friends. You have sent us intercessors. You have sent us people who can walk our journey with us, walk our path with us. And similarly, Lord God, you have put in us to be intercessors on behalf of others, Lord God. May we be a covering for others as you send people to be covering for us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. May it be the case that no plan of the enemy is going to prosper because not only have we put up a barrier but when we put on our armor of God but others have put up further barriers as they pray on our behalf let us pray that we receive the anointing with symbolic hands out let us receive anointing for our good work just as David received anointing bestowed on him from God through Samuel oh heavenly father you have brought us to earth for your great purposes and Lord God, we receive the very anointing needed to fulfill that purpose. Show it to us, Lord God. May it be clear. May it be clear that at no point will we be, will, will we be mistaken for what we are here to do and where we need to go. May it be an anointing that can never be removed from us. An anointing that we are not going to trip ourselves up into, and stop ourselves from walking into. That shall not be our portion, Lord. It is an anointing, Lord God, that will run over. An anointing that will be good not only for us, but for our family, for our communities, Lord God. We receive it in the name of Jesus. We pray for wisdom to recognize destiny moments. As David was wise to see the favor of the ark, may we, may we be wise and see what might benefit us and what might benefit our households. Heavenly Father, you have said that we only need but ask for wisdom and you are granted in abundance. Father, we ask for wisdom now, as David was able to exercise wisdom in this moment. At every destiny checkpoint, may, might we also exercise wisdom. May it be, Heavenly Father, that we will have the answers to the questions that life will throw at us. That at all times we will show knowledge. So much so, Lord God, that the world will come and turn to us, your body, for answers, Lord God. Nasa baba broko turiendi, nasa riete kiri ataraba, shandiri We pray for sound decision making in our days of testing. David showed self-control and reverence for God when he could have killed Saul. Because of this, he walked into his destiny at the appointed time. Similarly, Lord, we know that we are going to face tests and we are going to face trials. We are going to face key moments where decisions need to be made. And we thank you, Lord God, that on account of the prayer that we pray here this evening. Lord God, we will always make the right decision. We will always make the right decision, for I declare it here. Let us pray also for grace, for patience and diligence in times of hiding, as David showed. It was some time before David had his revealing, and we will all have our moments of revealing. But let us make sure that we pay the price, that we lay the foundation, as David did when he was tending to his sheep, when he was learning how to play the lyre. In whatever it is we're doing, as we might be hidden in this season, Father God, I pray that you will give us patience in that time. 
that you'll give us diligence and discipline in that time, that it will not be wasted, but it will simply be a time where we are setting our foundation, a time that will ensure that when the storms rise and the winds blow, we will stand firm. We will be like that house that was built on the rock. We will be like the tree that was planted by streams of living water. We shall thrive in all seasons, come what may, because of what is done in the secret place. Finally, let us pray that our enemies will bless us. Having desperately wanted to kill David, Saul eventually blessed him. He said in 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 19 to 20, May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Your enemies will bless you. Your enemies will bless you. Though they might curse now, Father God, I pray that you will turn their minds around. Father, that you will ensure that those who have sought to harm will soon bless us. Those who have sought to be a thorn in our side will soon be a positive seed. We might even turn around to be destiny helpers, Lord. Is anything too difficult for you? Not at all. So, Father God, we thank you that you have heard every prayer. We thank you, Lord God, that you are moving on our behalf in this season. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you, that you are for us. That is our confidence, that you are for us. We thank you for the gift of prayer, that it works, that you hear. And resultantly, we thank you for the testimonies that are surely to come. For this evening, Lord, we bless your holy name. We give you all praise and all glory. Continue to be by our side as we forge through the rest of this fast. Reveal to us what needs to be revealed. Grant to us what needs to be received. Speak to us what needs to be heard. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. 